1: Welcome to On The Verge. I am your host, Zach Spedden, joined by my co-hosts, Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. On today's episode, which is going to be primarily about the Major League Baseball draft next week, we will be joined by Dr. Stephen Loftus of Baltimore Sports and Life. He does a lot of good articles for us there. Uh, Before we get to Stephen, though, we want to talk about Baseball America's latest mock draft, which was just published today. And it throws a little bit of a twist into some of the things we've been expecting about the Orioles selection in the 2020 draft. Uh, Most mock drafts in the recent weeks have had Vanderbilt's Austin Martin going in the number two spot to Baltimore. Baseball America, though, took a little bit of a different approach uh, today by saying that it projects Florida outfielder Zach Veen from a high school outfielder to go in the number two spot to the Orioles. Um, This is not Baseball America's final mock draft, so things could change between now and the actual draft next week. But, Nick, I want to start with you. What was your reaction to the possibility of Bean going to the Orioles, and what kind of pick do you think that would be for them?
2: Uh, well, I, I remember seeing the tweet this morning. I think it was Carlos Collazo that tweeted out uh, the link of the new mock draft. And he kind of teased that there was this kind of shakeup at the top of their their new mock draft. And I was like, all right, well, it's not gonna be the Tigers. It's not gonna be the Orioles. I think those picks are, you know, we, we've got our top three there that it could be maybe a Nick Gonzalez uh, sneaking in there. But when I clicked on the link and saw Zach Veen, I, I was I was shocked. They they did say that he believes that that pick is still going to be Austin Martin in his opinion. Um, but seeing the pick for Zach Veen really just kind of threw me through a threw me through a loop today. I was kind of like a, you know, I've been the, the Major League Baseball draft is something that I've only really started diving into like the last two years, and, and so it's it's been a lot of fun getting to know more college programs outside of just like the CAA, which is what I've been a fan of my entire life. Um. And, and so when researching for this year's draft, my focus has been primarily on pitchers. Uh, and then to see Zach Veen's name in there, it was someone that I hadn't looked at before. Uh, but uh, I spent all day not working when I was supposed to be and just reading about Zach Veen as much as I could uh, because <laughs> it is an intriguing pick. Uh, high school kid out of Florida, went to the same high school as Austin Hayes. Um, not that that means anything as far as him going number two, but cool fun fact. Um he seems to have enormous power from the left side, uh, intriguing prospect, uh, someone that's rising up the boards pretty quickly. Um, I like everything that I read about him. Uh, being a high school kid in Florida, it's not someone that I've been able to see personally, but it's been fun learning about him a little bit. And uh, I think it does kind of, I mentioned in the last episode that, you know, Will McElias kind of get a little crazy with the number two pick and doing that certainly will kind of throw a wrench at this whole thing, but a fun wrench.
3: Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun little surprise to see today. Threw a little shake-up into the mix and should make next Wednesday more unpredictable, a little more exciting. But it, it does make some sense. I mean, last week I believe I said that Zach Veen could be the dark horse in this whole thing. And if they think that he could be potentially the best raw talent of the mix and they could save some money by going with him at the same time, maybe pick up, you know, a nice high school pitcher or uh position player later on in the draft then more power to him Um, looks like Elias is trying to put his own stamp on on this year's draft as opposed to just there was a camp no you know you couldn't mess with Rushman last year so interested to see what he does
1: I think this would be a little bit of a potentially high risk high reward pick for the Orioles if they do go with Veen at number two it does open the possibility that they can spend a little bit more on that later pick if they are able to sign Veen under slot. Um, given that we had kind of an abbreviated high school season, I'm sure that throws a little bit of a rent into the evaluation process uh, with Veen and still makes me question if at the end of the day the Orioles are going to settle on one of those college picks, whether they go with Austin Martin or Azel Lacy or Spental Torkelson, or they look at Nick Gonzalez. But this uh, certainly is something to watch as we approach the draft next week and speaking of the draft, we're now going to bring in uh, really the resident draft expert for Baltimore Sports and Life. If you read the site regularly, you're familiar with his work. Uh, he does a really good job dissecting different draft strategies of players that could be available. Uh, he is Dr. Stephen Loftus. Uh, Stephen, how are you? I'm doing
0: well this evening and I'm very glad to join you all and really excited to talk about the draft with one week to go
1: here. Thank. Um, glad to have you on. One thing I wanted to get uh, started with is something you use to, you know, sort of evaluate the prospects in the draft, which is your draft model. Can you give us a little bit of a background on that? Sure.
0: So um, this particular class, 2020, um, a lot of them are juniors that came around in 2017 um, that were high schoolers in 2017. At that time, I was an analyst with the Tampa Bay Rays, and one of the uh, major tools that they use, along with Pretty much every team is some sort of analytical model that ultimately tries to project how good these uh, players are going to be in usually uh, the early portion of their career when the teams will have player control over them. So after I left the Rays, I decided that I wanted to kind of continue this work because that is something that, again, my job was with the Rays at that time. And so I wanted to continue this work outside of their, you know, Data is not quite as good. I don't have access to some things that teams do um, regularly have. But I wanted to build this model and try to, you know, bring this information to a certain extent to the public because there aren't that many models out there that do this sort of thing, generally speaking.
1: So one thing, this year's draft is obviously a lot different um, than most drafts. We're looking at five rounds um, as compared to traditional 40 or so. How do you think that's going to change the process for the Orioles um, and really the other 29 clubs? And do you think there's still a chance for them to get a lot of value out of this draft?
0: Oh, certainly. There's plenty of room to get value because I mean, so much of a draft value really comes in those first two, three rounds, really. Once you get beyond that, the chance of honestly getting a productive major leader drops off a fair bit. So if the Orioles can't, hit on those first few picks and I mean there's a lot of opportunity for the Orioles between their first round company and second round picks all in the top 40 there's a lot of room there to get a couple of difference making players as to how it's going to change things yes the shortened season is really going to probably make some teams gun shy about uh, taking riskier players but um There is data out there that should be fairly consistent across most places, so a lot of times there'll be pitch FX information available for college pitchers. There should be some exit uh, velocity information on batters, so um, college players will get a lot more benefit even in the short season because there is a backlog of data that is there for them and unfortunately I don't have access to this data. I would love to have access to this data. But teams, generally speaking, do have this for these collegiate pitchers and are able to uh, take advantage of this to try to find some hidden gems within, uh, within the draft.
1: Does it make it a little bit harder for high school players to evaluate them now that we've had this shortened season? Absolutely. No question. So um, Nick, uh, Nick Biscoe, uh,
0: right as a uh, high school pitcher pennsylvania his season really didn't even start he didn't he was supposed to start in april and by then everything was shut down so teams haven't gotten to see him this spring and even more so with travel restrictions and uh, social distancing and the like um teams might and also the agreement between uh teams and players association all that uh teams aren't able to bring those players down for individual workouts where um, you can get them in front of The machinery that allows you to get readings such as pitch FX info and all of that sort of thing. So um, high schoolers are going to be a little bit more of an uncertainty in this trap. That said, that represents a very interesting opportunity for um, highly ranked high school pitchers who could fall. So Jerry Kelly is projected to, for example, in Baseball America's latest mock to go to the Orioles at 30. He's ranked as the 12th best talent by Baseball America. But, you know, prep right-handers usually wind up falling because there's a lot of uncertainty with high school pitchers. And so talent like that has the opportunity to fall if um, teams want to take that risk. So there could be some high ceiling players that are available a little bit later because of that.
3: Yeah, so I
2: following up with that, then, um, you know, the Orioles have more money than any other organization in this year's draft. They need talent uh, kind of across the board uh, cont- to continue to build that pipeline, build that depth down to minor leagues. And this, like we've mentioned, this draft seems like the perfect opportunity for the Orioles to be uh, really aggressive uh, with those three picks in, within the first 39 uh, this year. Um, With picks 30 and 39, I know you just wrote about this on BaltimoreSportsLife.com. You threw out some names, but what are some of the names uh, that Orioles fans should look out for this year as far as guys who might be those tougher signs that could fall down to the Orioles, Um, guys that are probably in other years' drafts would have been first half of the first-round picks?
0: Yeah, so this particular year, there's a few interesting guys right in that kind of mid-20s to 40s range. Who are draft eligible college sophomores guys that by age are eligible to uh, be in the draft but um they can also just go back and join their junior class and all that sort of thing so there are a couple of players that i'm particularly uh interested in within the uh, college pitcher side of things so one of them uh cole wilcox a uh righty out of the university of georgia ranked uh number 24 in baseball america's rankings and um, again draft eligible sophomore he has a lot of talent in a year he could be a top 10 pick, or even if his uh if things comes together because his walk rates a little high all that sort of thing if his control gets under command and um his walk rate comes down he could be a top five talent in a year so that's the sort of player at 24 um, the mocks have him going um, right around that number 30 range where if the rules go under slot, they could really go aggressive with a player like that and possibly get another top five, you know, in a year, so he would be a top five talent in a year and get that sort of um, talent within the system. So he's one guy. Another guy that represents a little more uncertainty and but is another draft eligible sophomore is uh, J- JT Ginn. So he's at Mississippi State. He was projected to be like a top 15 pick, and then first start had a little bit of an had a uh, elbow problem. Is going to have surgery, so that is a red flag, and that is something that you know teams have to consider the extra injury risk that goes on there. But he's a guy with two plus plus pitches. I mean, he has huge ability and in this particular year where the minor leagues are going to be likely canceled there might not be as much lost development time so he might be another guy who again depending on Oriel's appetite for risk they could possibly try to go for this guy and get these top five talents um again the um, current baseball america mock has jared kelly which is the he's the top high school pitcher rank number 12 another guy that is um again a lot of ability he's a big guy six three two fifteen nice pitchers body has i mean he throws 97 to 99 makes it look easy nice smooth motion Yeah, all of this just sounds great but um so for example in my model i have him ranked around the 30th uh, sort of player which Part of that reason is just there's so much risk inherent in high school pitchers both risk in terms of just not panning out and also risk of moving to the bullpen so again these are considerations that teams are making that my models making when i'm ranking these guys and then um, one other guy that i'm really excited in that 30 39 range that could be a tough sign is jordan walker so you know zach bean is a big guy six five you know six five two hundred he makes 200 pounds look skinny with plus power possibly plus plus Jordan Walker, same type of guy, just other side of the plate. Righty, 6'5", 220, big power. There is some concern both with Dean and Walker about the hit tool in terms of being able to make enough contact to really um, engage with that power fully. But both of those guys um, just have so much power. And you know, with the way the game is going, you can, you can do a lot of damage with that. You really can do a lot of damage. Now, Jordan Walker, he's a high schooler. Committed to Duke, so there's a little uncertainty of how committed, how much he really wants to go there. He's the type of guy that if he does go to Duke in three years' time, we could be talking, with him, uh, talking about him like Spencer Torkelson this year, you no know, top five type of guy. So, again, these are the type of guys that if we're going over slot, talent, like that top five talent the Orioles can target is just huge.
1: Yeah,
3: along so- those same lines. Oh, sorry, Nick. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, along those same lines, I heard on uh, Prox- Prospects Live podcast them talking about how some teams are completely taking high schoolers off of their board, at least in the first round or so. Does that give the Orioles a chance at some like, because pos- young position players out of high school, like Carson Tucker? What are the odds someone like that could fall down to thirty, thirty nine?
0: Those types of things are, I say, they're possible. Honestly, position players are generally considered a little safer just because um there's there's not well there's plenty that can go wrong but with high school arms the injury rate for pitchers all of that sort of thing they are the more likely people players that could fall and once again that's why baseball america was projecting Jared Kelly to the orioles so um there, there is the chance that some high school guys could fall but i don't think they're going to fall enough um that I don't think they're going to fall enough that certainly they'd be there at 39 um but they might be there at 30. now one of the interesting things that can happen with this is some uh high school players are starting to put off their are just withdraw from the draft so um right. mlb trade rumors just announced uh, today that uh dylan cruz um has withdrawn the name his name from the draft and he's ranked 39 according to uh some outlets so You know these players are starting to shy away they might go to a junior college for a year and be back next year or just you know go to college for three years until um the agreements about deferred bonuses and all that are passed so we'll see if any more names come out um, about between now and next wednesday but that could drastically affect how teams are going to strategize this
3: yeah that makes sense
0: what about continuing with the high school talk
2: um but well, one name that stood out to me that I think I saw the guys over at MLB Pipeline uh, tweet about this a couple of days ago, but um, Dax Fulton, six six lefty, two hundred twenty five pounds, but he's recovering from Tommy John surgery. Uh, is is this someone that could be available in the Orioles' pick? Is it someone that the Orioles should even consider drafting with, with picks thirty or thirty nine, or or what's kind of his status
0: that you know of? Um. At 30 or 39 he'd be a bit of a stretch so I mean like baseball America um, with their latest rankings has him at 52 so yes big as a big guy real interesting but if the Orioles are gonna kind of do that sort of stretch at that point it's it's a big ask in terms of you know someone coming back from Tommy John especially when you're drafting them before the industry consensus maybe he's there at uh, maybe he's there at round three, but um, I don't think round two is a place that he'd uh, necessarily fit in necessarily, unless the Orioles know something that we don't, which is decidedly possible.
3: Moving and, back and... up towards the top of the draft, uh, who do you think the Orioles are going to take at two, and what does your model say is the best player, second best player?
0: That—that's—I mean, the second best player according to the model, ultimately is Austin Martin. Um, there's, I said, there, you could make a little bit of an argument about um, Austin Martin versus Nick Gonzalez, and I wrote, um, I wrote a little bit about that. But right. ultimately, um, Nick Gonzalez's bat is a special bat, but so much of the numbers has been inflated by his college park and you know the elevation in New Mexico that you know, when you knock that back, It's still a special bat, but it's not enough to overtake Martin, whereas Martin in this particular college season seemed like he was coming into a little bit more power. Yes, there is some question about his uh, position going uh, going into pro ball, but he could be like, honestly, a Ben Zobris type in terms of positional flexibility, except with a, you know, with a decent chance of playing a couple of really high value positions at shortstop and center field. So he's the number two guy in the draft. And again, if you make some adjustments for a full season with how it looked like his power was growing, which, you know, lines up pretty well with a lot of other college shortstops, including a previous Vanderbilt shortstop in Dansby Swanson, um, if you make some adjustments on that, his um, draft score bumps up to 35 and um which 35 is about three and a half wins above replacement expected give or take if he's to reach the majors and that puts him a nice half win ahead of everyone else a nice little gap in the field now should the orioles take him i'm a big fan of him but admittedly if they had information in terms of being able to get this second top five talent i am fine with them going for zach bean zach bean is voted as he is um ranked fourth in my model in the first article that i had this particular year about um the orioles draft prospects and uh, the first model scores that i put out he was the second ranked guy so and again just you look at you look at him he makes 200 pounds look skinny he has all of this power potential and it seems like he will be able to stick in a corner and i mean i don't know i'd love to see him trying to uh hit the warehouse out of that left hand box no question
3: but absolutely. if they
0: know if they, if they know something if they have the sort of contacts that they are able to get the second top five talent absolutely go for veen go for that underslot guy he's honestly he's the guy that i would target as an underslot guy because there's a nice gap between um nice gap between the number two pick and where he's ranked at number seven you can probably save about a million and a half on him give or take i mean million at the worst and then that's a lot of room that you can go there and then once again at 30 you can target some of these guys that are potential top five talents at 39 there are actually a few cost-saving options that have you know really good um college stats really good draft scores um logan allen out of fiu you know he doesn't have the strongest stuff he's ranked in the 50s by baseball america but geez i mean he's striking out 12 batters per nine even once you adjusted for the competition and all that His college stats are incredible, and he knows how to pitch. He's the type that could be like how Shane Beaver showed up out of nowhere for the, well, not out of nowhere, but showed up for the Indians this year, a smart guy who's able to take advantage of of his slightly below standard stuff, but just knows how to pitch. And, you know, he could be a way to save some money at 39 to really, if you had to, put a little extra money to get someone uh, who might not be willing to fall otherwise.
1: In terms of ceiling, where would you put Veen in comparison to Spencer Torkelson and Austin Martin?
0: In terms of ceiling, hmm. so Torkelson's bat is just you know it's just something else. Looking at you know the college stats, the profile that he comes in with, his bats, his college stats look like Chris Bryant, it, and that is that is something else it's hard to beat that sort of thing i don't think bean has quite that high of a ceiling but that said um accounting for you know the difference in positions all that sort of thing i think Bean's ceiling is just as high as austin martin's no question um the floor is lower admittedly but that's always going to almost be the case with high schoolers martin has a nice floor in terms of being able to, able to contribute but bean also has that ceiling That can match Austin Martin, no question. But Torkelson truly is a step above the two of them.
1: So one one point I've been curious about in this whole Torkelson Martin debate, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. It seemed like as the college season was starting, there was a little bit of a split. Sometimes you'd see Torkelson going one, sometimes you'd see Martin going one. But then as you know, the NCAA season was shut down. We've gotten closer to the draft. It seems like you're seeing Torkelson ranked one uh, more often. Do you think that has to do more so with the certainty surrounding his bat in light of a, you know, shortened NBA, NCAA season, or do you think he really just is a better prospect? I think Torkelson is a better
0: prospect, but I think the reason why it's this consensus has just come around him at the number one is truly the certainty about his bat, because that is, you know, that is the one thing. If he can hit, he will find a place in the majors. No question, it seems like there are no real questions about his bat. He strikes out a little bit, but nowhere near scary levels. And the power is just, let say, the power is truly there. And it's, I say, the hit tool works there. He draws walks. It really is, for the most part, almost all there. And because of that certainty, you almost have someone that is near guaranteed to reach the majors, you know, barring injury or something along those lines. He's the type that could be in the Tigers lineup, you know, ignoring service time uh, and considerations and all of that thing. He could be in the Tigers lineup in two years. And that has a lot of value. That certainty truly has a lot of value.
3: Would you rank him above Andrew Vaughn from last year's draft?
0: They're close. I think I would put him slightly ahead of Andrew Vaughn.
3: Okay. And with the depth of the college pitching in this draft, uh, who are the guys you could see Orioles fans getting excited about in rounds three through five?
0: Three three through five is an interesting place because also, I mean, depending on how the Orioles, how willing they are to spend in that uh, second and second round in Encompe, they might have to get a little creative based on you know based on just sheer financials but that said few college guys that might wind out falling to them let's see who do we got here hmm. tommy mates could be interesting if he fell but that's a, that's a tough that's a tough sort of ask um that said, he as said, well, the Orioles aren't exactly the type to, at the moment, try to go with the uh, to, uh, with the dual player. But, um, yeah, there are a few options. But, yeah, Tommy Mace would be an interesting one in round three. He's ranked at 75, and if the team doesn't, again, uh, pop him early because of the certainty about college players, he could be interesting. Jake Eater is another one. I mentioned... Uh, Logan Allen earlier, and he would have to fall to 70. And then there are a few players um, ranked a bit uh, further down. So Landon Neck is uh, a bit more of an secure guy. He's at East Tennessee State, so not as strong of a conference anything like that. Also, he's a senior, so that's going to um, knock him back a bit. But even with all of those things, that usually would knock a player back. He strikes guys out. He controls the walks. And again, he could represent a cost-savings thing depending on how the uh, Orioles want to attack things. Um, let's see. Carmen uh, Lodzinski, as I always struggle with his name. Uh, he's ranked number 25. He's another one that, depending on if things fall, because, I mean, everything is so uncertain. This he might be there at 39, but he won't go much lower than that. But, um, but yeah, so those are a few names to kind of look out for. I also like Gavin Williams coming out of East Carolina. Um, yeah, he's, as I say, 100 miles an hour, and it's hard to beat
3: that. Yeah, definitely.
1: So, Stephen, one thing that we talked about a little bit last week is maybe that possibility that the Orioles go in a direction we're not expecting, which is that they take one of the top college pitchers available, either Azel Lacy or Emerson Hancock. Do you think that's a, a real possibility? And if so, which one do you think would be a better fit for the Orioles?
0: Hmm. I, th- I do think that's a possibility because they do truly represent some cost-saving possi- some cost-saving uh, instances, you know, not as much as, say, uh, Zach Veen, but, you know, Emerson Hancock is ranked number four by Baseball America. If you kind of split the difference between the number three and four slots, you can save about 900000 So that's a lot of money to be able to add to that number uh, 30 or 39 pick. Um, same sort of thing with Aza Lacey. You'd probably have to pay him the third or fourth slot again, five hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand, somewhere in that range, sort of savings. In terms of which one, I think so. Aza Lacy is ranked further down in my model. As of right now, he's the seventh guy. That said, part of the reason why he's so low is he's been a little wild in college and he started out in the bullpen. If you kind of adjust some of those things to where I expect him to be, if he makes a step forward with his uh, control, getting the walks under control, all that sort of thing. Um, He's the type of guy that would be ranked third, fourth, right in line with his baseball America projection. So if they were going to go for a college guy, I kind of like him. Reed Detmers is another guy if you wanted to go real big savings because baseball America has him uh, ranked eighth. But um, again, in Reed Detmers, ton of of, uh, strikeouts, limits, walks, not as great pure stuff. He has a 70-mile-an-hour curveball, which just drives college batters, you know, just drives them clear off the plate. But um, it's a 70-mile-an-hour curveball. It's not um, – unless there's a little bit more to it than we think. It might not play up as well as the pros. But all of those guys, Hancock probably has the safest floor, but I think I'd rather them go for A. Delacy Lacey if they're going to go for one of those collegiate pitchers. Might cost a little bit more, might not have as much – Flexibility at thirty or thirty-nine, but I think I prefer Lacey in that way. Plus, he's got as a he's got a nice changeup, and I love a pitcher who knows how to use a changeup and has one that can work.
3: Sounds good. Uh, what kind of luck do you think the Orioles will have with getting undrafted free agents to sign with us? Any uh, any solid guys that might stretch out of the top five rounds that could be willing to sign?
0: That's a tough one because I mean the bonus level is so low it truly is so low now in a you know in your standard kind of uh, standard draft a lot of these seniors will get you know plane tickets at spring training complex and you know that's it but um, the seniors might have the ability especially at you know smaller programs where some of these gyms can be found they might have the ability to stay there for that extra year and up their, um and up their prospects the next year Truly, that undrafted free agent. There's so much. Uh, th- there's so much of an ability there for teams to kind of just get way more value than what you would think. But it's just at this moment way too unpredictable to even say one who might be uh, willing to be there, and two um, who is you know who's willing to only sign for twenty thousand dollars, basically. That said, you know some of these larger programs might have an influx of freshmen that wouldn't otherwise be there. Players lose their scholarships. There's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities there. So I'd aim for any of these large um, any of these kind of large Power Five schools with guys ranked in the uh, 400s, 500s that are seniors. Fortunately, don't have any off the top of my head, but again, I think they'll be there. Cool. Um,
2: I think just looking overall at this year's draft for the Orioles, um, where in your opinion, what kind of strategy do you think the Orioles are, are going to take when it comes draft day uh, with that number two overall pick? Do, do you honestly think they're going to go Martin? In your opinion, uh, do you think they're going to go uh, underslot with a guy like Zach Veen or, or Nick Gonzalez? Um, and and what kind of strategy do you see with that number two overall pick? And then what strategy do you see them? carrying on through picks 30 and 39 and through the rest of the draft?
0: I think they're going under slot. Um, Austin Martin, I love what he brings to a team. I love the flexibility. I love the power, you know, the nice power potential that he brings there. He has a great batting eye. I love all of those things. But, again, I think that there is too much of a chance for the Orioles to pick up a second top 10, you know, talent in the year as draft eligible sophomores or, you know, a high school guy who would be in the top half the first round under normal circumstances. I think there is just too much there for them to ignore. Um, So I think I really think even though I do think Martin is the second best player in the draft, I think they're going to go under slot. Um, And I think in that case, I think they'd lean towards Zach Bean over Nick Gonzalez in that particular case. Um, just because I think bean ceiling is higher, and I think there'd be a little bit more cost savings, uh, cost savings there for the team. In terms of 30 and 39, I think 39. I think they, you know, they might overslot someone just the tiniest little bit, not much, but you know, maybe an extra 100, 200 thousand dollars. I think they really will try to spend big at number 30, trying to get one of these guys that is in. You know that either is falling to them like jared kelly or one of the draft eligible sophomores um like wilcox or if they're feeling a little risky again or if they really believe in walker's bat um walker you know one of these guys that needs that extra money to um convince them to sign this particular year so i think they're going to spend big at 30. they might go a little bit over at uh, 39 but I can even see them, you know, going extreme cost savings if they really have to push all in for um, one of these guys at 30. So that's where I kind of see them going, under slot and spin big.
1: You know, often in coverage about the draft, you'll see reference to Michael Elias, um, Michael Elias' track record in Houston, not just him, but sort of the baseball operations brain trust that was in Houston at the time, but has since followed him to Baltimore. And you'll hear references to when they drafted Carlos Correa. Uh, do you think there's any lessons to be learned from his uh, previous drafts in Houston coming into this year?
0: There probably are, because, I mean, you know, people and front offices, you know, especially he brought Sigmund as well. Um, they're going to have things that they prefer, but ultimately you have to be careful about reading too much into it because truly the draft is a year-to-year process. They could have gone under slot last year and signed Bobby Witt, but Hadley Rushman just, there was too much there. So even if there is a tendency to try to go in these underslots or otherwise, you have to be careful of reading too much in there. That said, again, this year, I think there's just too much talent that's going to be sitting there at 30 for them to ignore.
1: Just by just curiosity, like him, um, it seems less likely as we go on. But do you think there's any chance that the Tigers pass on Spencer Torkelson, and that really th- changes the dynamics of what the Orioles do? I mean, there's a chance. I would not. I would not put it high. There.
0: There have been rumblings in the last like 48 hours that it's not set in stone or whatever. I. I don't think that's the case. I think they're just going to go with that certainty of that, that um If you know if they had the largest draft pool like the Orioles do, they might consider an underslot sort of situation and they would be able to have a little more flexibility in that way to take, you know, say, Emerson Hancock who's ranked number four and have a huge cost savings. Um, That said, again, I I think they're just going with Torkelson. I think what we're hearing at least right now is smoke. So, um,
1: yeah. So, Stephen, is there anything we haven't discussed in relation to the drafts that you want to bring up? And what can we expect to see from you uh, in terms of coverage between now and next week?
0: Let's see. I can answer the coverage thing first. So, uh, the first thing is I am in the process of working on articles, article, taking a look at rounds three through five, players who might be available, who, um, you know, whose draft score, draft model score, greatly outstrips their Baseball America ranking. Um, Guys, that might be that extra value in that way that, again, can give the Orioles even more financial flexibility depending on how they want to play it. So that should probably come out Friday, I'm guessing. And then next week after the draft, I plan on going through a bit of an analysis, taking a look at where the Orioles um, players that they picked, where their draft scores kind of come in, what it looks like, how it looks in comparison to a couple of other teams who are also drafting fairly high. In terms of things that are otherwise possibly that we might have missed or otherwise, We've mentioned about the college pitching that's available. It's incredibly deep. I haven't even mentioned so far, you know, like guys that would be possibly in play at 30, guys like Tanner Burns out of Auburn who, you know, he, he, his stuff isn't as loud as, say, Emerson Hancock, but his production matches them, and he's been Auburn's Friday night starter for a couple years. Um, Chris McMahon out of Miami, guy ranked 30, another just strikes out guys, controls the walks, just, you know, looks high chance of starting, Slade Ciccone sort of thing. You know, lots of stuff, lots of strikeouts, draft eligible sophomores, so a little risk there. But again, the college pitching in this draft is so incredibly deep. And also, one other thing that I didn't mention, there's actually catchers in this draft. There are interesting catchers. It doesn't interest the Orioles as much, but it'll be interesting to see what some teams do. So in my article that I was thinking about, talking about number 30 and 39, I mentioned uh, Dylan Dingler. Ohio State catcher who also has played center field, which you know that's an odd combination. At the, yeah, at the time he was ranked number thirty-seven in their latest update. Where did he move up to? He moved up into the twenties, I believe. Um, so he's let's say twenty-seven. He moved up ten spots, and in the model he moved up from number eighteen in my uh, draft score up to number I believe twelve. So I mean, he's he's a guy that has a lot of healing, a lot of um, just could be interesting. He's probably out of the Orioles' reach now, but it'll be interesting to see how many teams are going for these catchers that seemingly are available. Him, Austin Wells, you know, these type of guys that, again, catcher's a hard spot to fill in baseball. Now, granted, if the coming of the robot umpires uh, winds out occurring, you know, that's going to change the catcher position greatly into almost possibly another DH. So 538.com had an article about that at one point. So it could be very interesting to see what happens with the catchers, but in this year's draft, there are some options available that could be interesting. But, again, the main thing, just so much college pitching is available that I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for players that normally wouldn't fall to suddenly be there at 30, and that's gonna that can only benefit the Orioles.
3: Excellent.
1: Nick or Bob, do you have any uh, additional thoughts or questions?
3: No, I'd just like to uh, thank was... Stephen for his time. I look forward to reading to those articles in, in this week and next, and uh, really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, that was fantastic information. Uh, it's got me even more excited for this year's draft. I think Orioles have a real opportunity to make a, a lot of noise this year, and yeah. I hope they do. And, and that college pitching is exciting. And, you know, it, even if the Orioles do grab a catcher at 30-39, you know, like you said, just the talent this year seems to be off the charts. And I'm excited to see these guys. I, I wish we'd have an opportunity to actually watch them play this year but yeah. after the draft. But, you know, soon enough. We'll see.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So one thing I should note before we sign off, we still do not really have the status clear on the 2020 MLB season. Uh, We're awaiting that just like everyone else. Once we have a little bit more clarity on that, we'll certainly delve into any angles. As it relates not only to the implications of having or not having a major league season for the immediate future, but then long term, what that could mean for players that are already in the Orioles farm system. Players that could come out of this draft. Uh, That's something we're going to explore on an upcoming show, but we are planning next week to have a very draft-centric show again, this time talking about the players the Orioles actually select. So uh, stay tuned on our Twitter feed on at BSL on The Verge for an update there. You can also continue to check baltimoresportsandlife.com for regular updates. Check the message board. Uh, certainly watch out for Stephen's article later this week. Um, thank you to Stephen again for joining us. His insight is really valuable, um, and it certainly gives us a lot to watch leading up to next week. Um, for Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, uh, I'm Zach Spedden. Thank you for joining us on the latest on the Verge, and we will see you again sometime next week.